This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. I'm David Merrill. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's been a beautiful fall. David, another gorgeous day outside. Uh, it's been uh, been been a good week. We uh, we've definitely enjoyed it here in Wyoming. We've had uh, you know fall definitely came in. We got rain and snow, and I know I uh, <laughs> know we had some fun out putting some protein on the ground and in the freezer. So if you're not out there procuring some fish or some some wild game, it, it is the time. Ask your neighbor to even just go along and watch, because I'm sure if somebody came and asked me, "Hey, how do you do this?" I'd take you along on a doe antelope hunt for an afternoon, certainly. I was really excited to show up today and see that you were smoking some jerky outside. That was quite the treat coming in, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> you know you know me, Patrick. If I do anything, I, I do it all the way, and I think we did 38 pounds of jerky. So That's doing it right. That's the way it should be. His smoker's been rolling for a little over a day, keeping her loaded and keep switching out. And we used uh, the high mountain jerky. And, you know, like we've talked about, kids love that uh, ground muscle jerky. So we took uh, front shoulders from two antelope, you know, got all the silver off, ground them, and then followed the instructions on the packaging of their mesquite. I shoot it onto wax paper and put it in the oven just to firm it up a little bit. And then I can pull it off the wax paper and put it in the smoker. And that way, for me personally, if I just shoot it onto the grill grates of the smoker, they stick really bad. But if you wait till they firm up a little bit by putting them on the oven and the wax paper, and yeah, it's another step, but then they don't stick to my grill grates and I don't have to clean them as often. Yeah. So thanks again to our sponsor, High Mountain Seasonings. You can find them at HIMTNJerky.com. Again, HIMTNJerky.com. And I know David and his family is going to be enjoying this for a while, but we have a special guest today. And I have to say, this is the first time we've had somebody from Ontario on the show. And so I'm very excited to have Christine Lapierre on the show. Christine, how are you? Good, how are you guys? We're doing awesome. It's it's great to have you on. And just to kind of tell the backstory of this, we actually had one of our listeners, Rachel, she said that you would be a good guest to have on. She had heard your story and thought that this would be the right podcast for you to be on. So I'm glad that you were willing to come on and, and hang out with us for a little while. So thanks again for coming on. It goes to show how great the fishing community is. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, the fishing community is awesome. And, you know, I just want to remind our listeners, if you have an idea for somebody you want to have on, just let us know. We'll reach out and see what we can do. But I got to talk to you a little bit while I was on the road and just kind of do an introductory call while I was in Gillette. And we got to talking. And so what I'd like you to do is just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing in the fishing world. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, this is all, it's fairly new to me. Within the four last four years, I've been developing this program called Mindful Fishing. And, uh, you know, the short story to how it came to be, um, I used to work in the correctional um, system up here in Canada in the federal penitentiary system. And I worked as a crisis negotiator in there and as a mental health nurse running, uh, 
units and uh, the most criminally insane inmates up here in Canada. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it injured me uh, pretty badly and I was diagnosed with PTSD. I ended up leaving my job in corrections to get treatment and uh, I had to, um, you know, go through through some pretty heavy stuff and medication and even, uh, you know, transcranial magnetic stimuli. That meant I went into the hospital every day for five weeks to get my brain shocked and um, it ended with a, a suicide attempt and kind of a wake up call for me that, uh, yeah, something needed to change and, um, hospitalization and further treatment. And it was, a, it was a tough go, but, um, you know, the only outlet I had through all that was, was fishing and I would spend time out on the water and, um, you know, I'd go out with friends and whatever, but I eventually joined Ontario Women Anglers cause I wanted to get out more. And it was the first time I was exposed to ice fishing. Um, I'd only ever done bass fishing up here and our season's pretty short. Uh, we just do it in the summer basically. And that's it. So through the winter, I really struggled, of course, and a lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder. And uh, for somebody who, you know, had that injury, it was it was a pretty bad time for me. So I decided to try ice fishing. You know, and I was sitting out there on the ice with these women and these great other anglers up here and teaching me kind of the ropes of what ice fishing is about. And I was sitting there on the ice and just staring at my little ice, my flasher. And, uh, you know, for eight hours, I didn't think about anything, um, like nothing, like just nothing. <laughs> and that was the first time in forever that that had happened, that my mind had a break from stuff and it was like magic it was it was crazy to me it was it was everything right so I so I kind of ran with that and I said this is this is it for me this is my mindfulness this is the way for me to give my brain a break it's where the healing begins and um, I've learned that through my treatment that of course meditation and being grounded and being aware of your surroundings and you know deep breaths and all that stuff it, it grounds you and it just brings you back from you know your mind racing to bad to bad things. Um, so fishing, it was everything. And and at that point, I decided to see if I could, you know, was this therapy sustainable? Was it something I could do year round? It, you know, it wasn't a good idea if all I could do was bass fish in the summer. It's something I needed to learn to do all the time. So I took it upon myself to try and catch a fish every day. And, um, and I did for the most part, November is a pretty brutal time for me still up here for fishing, but, um, you know, I haven't gotten into muskie and walleye and growing and stuff yet, but there's still a lot of growth there. But um, it, it worked out for me, right? And then I decided to show it to other people and other first responders. And it, it started with me just bringing, you know, a couple rods in my truck to work. And after work, I would just stop at the shoreline. And, you know, I was talking to other guys at work. And, you know, at this point, I had gone back to work as a nurse. And I was, uh, I'm now working with the police as a mental health nurse on the front line. So, it, you know, fishing was a big part of my recovery and my ability to get back to work in this other, in this crisis world. And, you know, it, uh, I never thought I would get back to work, but I, I'm flourishing at work and I'm now connecting with first responders and showing them how fishing has not only healed me, but is now keeping me well enough to stay at work. And it's uh, opened up a whole new world for me. And now I, um, I have the ability to, to volunteer to take first responders fishing year round. And I got a little 16 foot aluminum boat with a 50 horsepower on it for, you know, good back lake fishing. And I ice fish. It's my favorite way to uh, introduce people to fishing. And, you know, do the shoreline in the spring for crappy and stuff and some shoreline in the fall for, for trout. And, and now I just kind of take a break in November to, you know, look after myself and get ready for Christmas and, and stuff. But yeah, it, and it's developed into mindful fishing and, and just a, a way to get first responders out fishing and exposed to all the therapy that, that the outdoors has to offer. Um, and that's it. <laughs> well, Christine, I, I can uh, appreciate your story and was thinking about elk hunting this year for me was more about 
just being able to unplug. And if you've, if you've listened to this, this uh, podcast very long, I'm, I'm the hunting half and I do like to go fishing and I can <laughs> relate to the, uh, the peaceful, calm mindfulness of just getting to sit by the shoreline. And what my thought goes to this year, I, I wasn't too concerned about whether I got a critter or not. I just wanted to get yeah. away from cell service, get away from emails yeah. and go watch the sunrise and, and, and participate in my hobby you know, holistically. And that brings me to my second point of, I have a family member that's, you know, he works on the state road crew. And then I have another person I know that's a uh, state police officer. And both of them, you know, as first responders all the time are at fatality vehicle crashes, right? And we like to think of our first responders as robots that, well, they just come in, they do a job, right? And they they clean up this mess of whatever it may be. And then they go home and they're not affected. But obviously... I mean, from my limited experience, that definitely weighs heavy on your mind and your, your person, what, you know, whether it's dealing with, with suicide or loss or just my, like my brother talks about just the fatalities of head-ons with, with on the road crew. And he, he, he's the guy that calls the corner and has to do the road block. So he doesn't actually have to actually pick them up, but he's right there and he sees that quite often and it, it weighs on you. Right. So how does speak just a little bit about that? you know, how that link a little more of relating to the unplugging and kind of, you know, relaxation yep. that fishing brings from that stressful environment that you work in. And, and, you know, very much what I do in mindful fishing applies to hunting as well. My partner, um, he's a big hunter. He's up moose hunting right now. And um, we're looking at expanding this to hunting as well. We have the ability to, to do that with our hunting camp and stuff. And, and the same stuff really applies. It, you know, the mindfulness that you can practice in nature and fishing and um, hunting, it, it, it just, it's a way of grounding you and, and what they teach in, um, you know, a lot of therapy and mindfulness is, is just being present in the moment and just only being there and not worrying about things in the future, or the past, you know, some of those intrusive thoughts that happen with those, with those injuries of, you know, vivid memories of, you know, dead bodies on the road and horrible things we see. You're only paying attention at that time to, you know, sometimes I love bobber fishing, right? You're just out there and you're just watching the bobber and there's something so calming about it and, and, and thrilling and exciting. And at that time, you're not thinking about anything else. You know, when you're running your boat across the water, I'm sure when you're sitting in your stand and you're watching the sun come up, there's nothing else there. And, and it's just really trying to focus on those moments when you're out there and just redirecting to those times. You know, when, when we're out fishing, it might just be, you know, I love panfish. They're easy. You can fish them year round. And, you know, when you take an extra second to look at them and how pretty they are and you appreciate that and. At that time, you're not thinking about anything else, and that's just giving your mind a break. Um, and how it carries through into everyday life when, you know, when we talk about it afterwards, um, you know, I could be at a stressful situation at work, or I could need to unwind or decompress, but that's when I visualize those moments out on the water, a bo- you know, a bobber going down, or, you know, my flash going when there's something under the ice, and I can close my eyes and visualize that stuff, and that grounds me in the stressful moments, even at work and afterwards. And, and that's why it's such a good, sustainable therapy that it really carry through into your everyday life when you can go back and you and you're creating those memories and those moments you can reflect on you know and and it's and and what i do with first responders and when i try to get them out in nature on the water on the shoreline wherever it is you know they they don't have to talk about those moments if they want to it's not it's not about telling your war stories and whatever but but definitely being a mental health nurse and being trained in psychotherapy and and uh, crisis, you know, debriefing, it, it is an opportunity for them to unwind and process those things with me if they want to. 
you know, it gives them an opportunity sometimes to, hey, can I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through this stuff. Is this normal? Is it good? Is it something I should look at? Should I go to my doctor? Uh, or, you know, I'm trying a new medication. What, what's this about? Or even, um, you know, there's a lot of people who just want to use or who should be using fishing in the outdoors as just maintenance and, and prevention of mental health illnesses, right? Just you know, a lot of people I know who, who stay well at work, a lot of them already have these things in place. They're already into fishing. They're already into hunting. They're, they have something that gives them a break from the everyday. And, and it's just to keep going with that stuff. It has it has amazing powers to keep us well. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I was telling you on, when we had our initial phone call just how it's affected my life, yeah. you know, being, being a young guy and losing my mom. Uh, when I was 14 and you know, it was a lot of that same kind of thing. Like it just go put on the waders, go fish a shoreline for bass and perch and watch the bobber. And there's, there's definitely something therapeutic about that. But I think the other thing is to, you just have that calm because you're outside. You typically you're in the sun, which is always good, um, to get that sunlight and and just, just kind of let the air flow over you and remember that it's going to be okay. And, you know, I I think it's really cool that you are able to do that. And I'm sure there are people, they, they probably open up to you quite a bit, some of them. Um, and then some are just quiet and it's okay either way because they're getting what they need out there on the water. Right. That's exactly it. That's there's no pressure. And I, you know, I never wanted to read the program about, Oh, you have PTSD go and then, come out fishing like that's it's it's just an opportunity to be in nature and, and any first responder's job is stressful whether you're a dispatcher paramedic firefighter whatever it is that there's moments of stress and if all i can do is offer you a way to decompress and be out in nature and, and give you that outing on the water i've had people not even fish they're just out there in the boat and and i you know when i'm running the boat across the lake and i look over and i just see them smiling and it's like oh man it you know is i've been doing this nursing gig for 20 years but this this mindful fishing program has bought, brought me so many great memories and rewards already beyond whatever I had in my career. It's uh, it is. I don't know. You know, I don't know who feels bad out in nature, right? It's, and even in you know, you say the sun, but it's rain or shine, right? And <laughs> because there's something beautiful being in the rain too, and, and sure. the deep cold, and you know, you breathe in that cold air in your lungs, and it just oh, I love it, right? And uh, a lot of us don't force ourselves outside enough, and. Yeah, I like my prison workers. I mean, like they're inside so much. So any vitamin D we can give them is good. Well, you guys kind of both touched on this a little bit. You know, when you're taking anybody, you know, out fishing, some of them want to open up and, and not share their war stories, but maybe maybe unload or question or 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 just converse about their issues but some may not want to right and and forcing that either way is not going to be good but my mind went to you know just inviting somebody to go fishing you know they may have a really crappy week but that may be the one thing all week they're like you know what you you may you may be preventing a suicide attempt because they're like well no i'm gonna go fishing with christina in in a couple days and and being out there on the lake and just getting to you know I, i think you, you guys both touched on it as far as, you know, the daily stress, the daily grind. And you, t- you, you, Christina said, well, I look forward to after work, my fishing poles in the truck, I'm going fishing. I'm, I'm going to put this work yeah. aside and there's a good separation and division. And, you know, yes, you can carry that on and have that conversation, but I think that's, and you can speak to this as a nurse and, and with your profession, you know, if somebody wants to speak about it in that environment, that's therapy. But if they don't want to speak and they're just unplugging from that event and actually being grounded in the moment, that's just as good a therapy. So either way is fine, like Patrick said. 
that's the most versatile. That's what I find so versatile about it, right? And it, it, it can be a, a moment to debrief after a stressful event or something to look forward to. And that's pretty much what I what I have to do in the off seasons when it's a tough time and, you know, it's hard to get out and the ice isn't frozen yet or whatever. But just getting my gear ready and just doing stuff, right? Something to look forward to. That's what gives us hope and, and a reason to live, right? So it is important. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. You know, who was your fishing mentor? Who invited you on that first trip of, and you got to look forward to, to going out and, and go unplug and unwind? And, uh, well, obviously in my early years, it was, you know, my dad was my reason for fishing and out of five kids, I was the only kid who would get up in the morning and go with them. And, and those moments are what I, what I lived for. Right. And, um, I didn't fish for a long time. Unfortunately, I, um, you know, part of my trauma, I ended up in a, in a bad partnership and a very controlling, awful relationship. My dad died. He sold my dad's boat. Um, and I wasn't allowed to fish for about 12 years. So that was horrible. Um, thank God that is uh, done and dealt with. And I, you know, I've gone through my treatment and we've moved on. And my partner now, actually, we, we'd been working together in the prison system for years. And, uh, about a year after my divorce and all that, he, he invited me to go fishing with them and, I was like, yeah, okay, it's a, you know, it's time out in the water, sure, I'll suntan and whatever my priorities were at the time, I don't know. Um, but he just handed me a rod with a wacky worm on it, and I threw it out the back, and and I was just sitting there on the back of his boat, and um, I think it's the only time I've had the back of his boat. Now I just take over totally and <laughs> take over the trolling motor. But it was so nice sitting there, and and, and I caught this fish. I was like, oh, it was giddy, and I think it was just that initial, like, oh my god, this is fun, and I was giggling, and it was like childhood feeling right and, and it kind of sparked my interest a bit and but you know I didn't get heavy into fishing with him because there was uh, I, w- I was intimidated for you know some stupid reason he was really good and, and knowledgeable and I was worried to ask questions and I just didn't have that confidence yet and um, but he he has a huge knowledge base about you know the basics of fishing and you know he grew up running a salmon charter with his dad and um, he's comfortable in the water but he really taught me a lot and he taught me you know so much that he could but then when I joined the women's group and, and started going going out with other people and, and going out with other um, anglers and tournaments and whatever. I, I just, yeah, he can't keep up with me now. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I wanted to be independent on the water. I wanted to trailer my own boat. And, you know, I think he, I, I got sick of begging him to take me fishing and he's like, do it yourself. And so I did. And uh, <laughs> the sky's the limit. And I just love, I go to anything I can and I, and he's, yeah, he's super supportive. He, he likes the hunting more actually. It's uh, so yeah, I do the fishing stuff and it, it worked out pretty good. I bought my own boat. I did everything. I was like, no, like no one's going to tell me I can't fish. Right. And, uh, I'm really encouraging that with other people, right? Like gain some independence and don't rely on somebody else for your own wellness. Right. I, if I needed to go fishing and I needed to look after myself, I can't, you know, I can't be expecting somebody else to do that for me. So that was a big part of it. Yeah. I think that's great that you have somebody that's supportive of that. It's an important ingredient in a relationship, I think, because, you know, for me, that is my way to unplug. That's my way to really recharge my battery because, you know, sometimes life just sucks it out of you, right? Like it doesn't matter what, where you fall in life. Like I was thinking about it on the way over here. You've got your super rich that are depressed. You have your middle class that are depressed. You're poor that are depressed. Like it hits everybody in some way. And life is always looking for a way to eat your lunch. And, and so having fishing for me has been a good thing because every once in a while, I just need that to get away. And sometimes, you know, people don't necessarily understand that and that's okay because it's, it's more important that I do get that time 
to myself to have that reflection. You know, for me, fishing at night for walleye is a big one, seeing the stars and just remembering, oh, yeah. you know, like there are things a lot bigger than my problems, you know? <laughs> and so, um, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I think it's really cool that, you know, you've kind of, you've found a, an important place. I, I know there are organizations that do a lot of this stuff. I know here in Wyoming for the hunting community, but I don't know that there's nearly as much for the fishing community. And so it's exciting to see that, you know, you're pushing forward and you're doing that. But I wanted to kind of circle back a little bit to, you know, why did you go into nursing? Why were you, um, you know, what was your passion about getting into that field? Because nursing, you know, I told you my mom was a nurse. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough field to go into. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not, it's, um, I, I think I, I never felt like I could be anything else. It, and uh, funnily enough, I did my ancestry on, you know, Ancestry.com and my family history. And, and this healthcare profession kind of runs in my family. And my dad worked in the geriatric hospital um, as a dentist. And he only, his patients, um, you know, they all had disabilities of some sort or geriatrics or, you know, on a social assistance or whatever. And so he was a very caring, compassionate person and he was my idol. And I used to work summers with him and then I got a job in the hospital in the summer um, volunteering with, uh, to take people out and we would do things like take them to the movies, take them to the pub, take them fishing, do a bunch of outings and I just loved it. So it was natural for me to go into into uh, nursing. But uh, initially I wanted to go into geriatric nursing and I love the senior population. And But I had a, an injury when I made the basketball team at the university up here. Um, I first year university and and it broke my wrist and it's fused and it's all messed up now so I had to give up that and so I ended up in mental health because I couldn't lift patients and it, it, it was weird how it worked out because it was so my niche I loved that population I, I love the population that you know uh, I guess a, a lot of them have hit rock bottom a lot of them have tried everything and sometimes you're their, their last glimmer of hope and there's a lot of appreciation and, and beautiful things in this industry um, but there's a lot of suffering and not a lot of help or appreciation um, for what mental illness is and so I I, I really try to normalize it. I really try to reduce the stigma about mental health. Um, you know, my dad had a mental illness, so he, he was diagnosed with bipolar, you know, and, and it was hard for him. And, you know, it wasn't well known and people didn't know why. Sometimes he had to just not come to e- events if his medications weren't working or he hadn't slept. And, you know, a lot of people are suffering in silence and, and I'm trying to normalize talking about mental illness through fishing. And, you know, it, it's, Everybody out there, I need a break and I, you know, fishing, I'm going to clear my head and, you know, it it is therapy and we're all talking about how fishing is our therapy, Um, you know, so, and it is, it's okay to talk about it in that light. So I'd like to relate the two, uh, why they're so, you know, why it's so important to look after our mental health and, and, and it's normal to talk about it. And it's just as normal as talking about diabetes or cardiac disease or anything else we talk about. So, yeah, I kind of stumbled into this profession that really, I, you know, I never thought I would end up being a crisis negotiator in the penitentiary system when I joined nursing school 20 years ago, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, things just turn out for a reason and I've met a lot of great first responders because I've, I've got to work in the community and hospitals and schools and now with the police. And yeah, I, I really kind of fell in this perfect position where I've had access to all sorts of first responders and, and fishing and anglers. And it's, it's turned out pretty nice. Well, that's, it's, it's interesting. You say that, you know, and I, I like to hear the story of, of how it's turned out nice and, and working with people that want to work with people and help Right. That's, that's part of the motivation of Patrick and I starting this podcast. And that's why we have the sponsors we have. And, and one of our sponsors is, is PK Lures, right? And they're just, they're a great company. And, you know, having them supporting us so that we can 
do things like this to support and reach out to other people has been it's been phenomenal you know having them on board and if you haven't heard about pk lures you should be checking them out because they have something for anything that you're fishing up there yeah, they've got bass, they've got stuff for bass, for walleye, trout, you name it. But uh, yeah, we're grateful for PK. You know, when you start a podcast and you start a venture and you stick your neck out there, it's nice to see who comes alongside you and says, you know, I believe in what you guys are doing, you know, trying to get more people into the outdoors, spread the word about it, get more females into the outdoors, getting more kids, you know, just getting more people yeah. within your circle. And, you know, just forever thankful for PK jumping in and partnering with us like they have. Um, and, you know, Kurt and Pat and those guys down there just uh, really believing in what we're doing, that it means the world to us. And so you guys, if you're listening to this show and you want to get support a great company, Get some great lures. Go to pklure.com. Get a product that's going to put more fish in your boat. And, and I'm, a big, I'm a big advocate for um, artificial uh, any lures, right? I, I don't want to rely on live bait or having to run around and look for it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm not into that. So I'm a big promoter of using artificial lures, and that's great. Yeah, you should listen to the podcast we did with Pat O'Grady. That's why he developed the PK Flutterfish, which is kind of a peanut-style jigging spoon. He designed it because he didn't okay. want to, he didn't want to go catch emerald shiners all the time, and he found out that yeah. he could whack the fish really effectively with that Flutterfish, and he didn't need to go catch a whole bunch of emerald shiners. So it's pretty cool. That's perfect. Yeah. But to uh, transition just a little bit, you know, you. You have a mission now for what you're doing. You're you're specifically helping, you know, people that are first responders. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what you're going for. You know, how do you present fishing as an option when you're talking to them? You know, maybe they just dealt with something really traumatic and, you know, you can tell that they, they are in need of some kind of help. Like, how do you kind of broach that? So I've been, I, I'm really lucky with the police forces I work with that are really supportive of this program. And um, I spoke, you know, with, with the managers there and with the, um, they had the peer support officers and like a, a designated mental health officer who looks into this. And so he knows that that's an option to offer to his members because of, you know, the police come to them and they have issues and that's kind of the process. They go to their peer support and then it might go on to the employee assistance program or whatever. I just, talk to them about the program and it's just it's a hey just go fishing that doesn't cost you anything it doesn't it's nothing you know it's a cheap ten dollar fishing license if they need it most of them have it and and it's offered through that i you know it's just been word of mouth and it's and it's spread a lot faster than, than i thought it would so i'm actually getting some volunteers on board and and i haven't even started my facebook group yet where i'm going to try and connect anglers and first responders and just say hey i'm going fishing do you want to come like it's just that simple i really want it as simple as it can be because I'm trying to reduce those barriers and excuses people come up with all the time to not go out and, and fish and just, and, and I see it as a way to address their mental illness, right? That's, that's their first step in, in coming out with me to say like, oh, hey, something might be off or I need a check-in. So trying to get that. So I, I'm trying to get everybody all around them to encourage them from, from the top management, from their peers. Um, for me, and just being available and, and, and open and flexible about it. And, you know, and if there's something at work because I'm a mental health nurse in the detachment, I know about incidents that come up. And, you know, we try to have debriefings. And that's, that's really important in the system to have after major events that everybody has an opportunity to get together and talk and, and go through what 
what happened. And, and that's an opportunity to say, Hey, and if anybody wants to just come out with me, I have an extra rod in my truck. We can go fish. We can go hit the shoreline. And I, I'm really, really blessed where I work because we have the Rideau Canal system where there's a plethora of lakes and creeks and rivers and I can, I can hit within 10 minute drive. So, um, it's really easy to do. And, and, you know, I've hauled my boat to work. I've left it in the parking lot there. Hey, if you just want to go out after work for a couple of hours, just to decompress or to talk about that event, to unwind if you need to debrief or, or make sense of it. I'm there. And, and sometimes a lot of people just, Hey, you know, I feel I'm feeling pressure at home or I'm, things are just building up. I'm feeling a little squirrely and okay, well, let's go out for a couple hours and, and, yeah, and, and it's a lot of, I'm trying to get more support from each other's peers, and, and that's where I get, that's where I get most of my referrals is other people saying, hey, like, go out with Christine, it's cool, it's just, yeah, it's just a time to unwind, and you can talk if you want or not, um, and they usually do talk, though, so it's good. So, mental health has a, a pretty negative image, right? And do you have a, a success story of how, because I just see, you know, you broaching this subject of, hey, I'm going to take you fishing to cure your mental health, you know? Even getting, you know, a guy like Patrick Wright to even admit that there's a mental health crisis. You know what I mean? That's now, obviously there's been, you're at a higher level of more than, Hey, I'm just down in the dumps today because, because work sucks, but (laughs) you know, I'm not trying to make light of it, but with, you know, with the, the negative stigma of mental image being what it is and mental health being what it is with mindful fishing, you know, what's a success story? I mean, how, how do you, how do we expand this program beyond just you? How do we get people, you know, and I, you touched on some of it as far as it's just inviting them, but how do you get over that hurdle and and what do you, what's gone on to make it work for you guys? It's a, Do you know, I've done a lot of different, uh, I I don't know, I guess I'm kind of a bug, right? (laughs) So I, um, you know, I've just been like, hey, just come out fishing or let's just make it casual. Or I, you know, guys that identify themselves as maybe having, you know, any mental health struggles or the cool guys at work and everything's good. Well, hey, let's just go fishing. And I get some of those guys out with me and then maybe some of the other people are more willing to go. It's, uh, you know, any first responder in any level of mental wellness or illness can come out fishing with me and they do. And so I've had anybody from like no issues at all. They just like to go out and fish to like they're about to jump off a bridge. So any level in there um, has come out with me. So I think just telling stories about other people that have come out and whatever. And I finally have gotten some people in the boat. Um, and one guy, and this is my, you know, this was probably the most successful story so far for me. Um, a police officer who I've been working with and I could tell at work that he wasn't well. It was, you know, I, he had all the signs an overworker, grumpy, just gruff with people, just dove into work. It was all it was for him and issues at home and struggling. Just, I could see everything about it in him. And I kept bugging him to go fishing and fishing. And, you know, one time he's like, why, you know, he wanted to go in his boat and he wanted to go to this lake and he wanted to do it his way. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll do it your way. And so we did. And we got out in the boat and we were just chilling and, you know, not, he couldn't catch anything in the boat. It was, he was just struggling. He was frustrated with his trolling motor. And he was just said, Hey, you know what? Let's just get out of the boat. Like screw it. I have a good place to go shore fishing. And, and we went and we were just sitting there and being beside each other and not face to face and no pressure. Um, he eventually opened up and it, it was, you know, he was the first, the only person actually that it was a full on breakdown. He, he went off work for almost two years, but that's when he said, you know, something is wrong. I'm having nightmares. I'm having this, this, it won't stop. And I said, that's okay. Well, we'll go to management together. We'll go through this. And, and it turned out really well. And the best thing about it though, is he's back to work now. And he's the first police officer in this detachment that has come back to work. And, And we'd like to think that it's because 
there was early, earlier recognition in him. He didn't keep going on with it alone. I pushed him on it. I, I said, hey, like there's something going on. We can talk about it. And we did it in a comfortable environment. And he was able to get treatment and get back to work because it didn't go on too long. And that's a story that now we can tell other people. And then they they come running. And it's, it doesn't mean that, hey, you come out with me, you're, you're sick and you go off work and you're screwed. You know, it, it could mean that, you know, something could, could open up your eyes to, to what you might need to do. And it doesn't necessarily need to go off work or get treatment, but you know, maybe you might need counseling. Maybe you might need to talk about medications. Maybe you do need to, you know, to open up about it. And it's just, it's just trying to normalize it. And it's, Hey, you don't have to go see a quack or whatever people want to call, you know, psychiatrist. And, you know, if you don't want to walk through the doors of a mental health office and the big sign that people are embarrassed about, but going out fishing, anybody can go fishing. I think I have a better chance of getting somebody to open up doing that than I would by forcing them into a mental health office. So it's, yeah, there's been success that way. And, and I'm really proud of it. And, and I'm really happy to have that officer back at work. And we have a bond now like nothing else. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm so proud of them. And, he only has a couple of years to retirement, but he did it and he made it back and, and he's going to go off work and retire and, and be happy. And he's gone hunting now and he's happy. And yeah, it's great. You brought it up earlier and I want to talk about it just a little bit. I have a buddy, he had us on a, on his podcast a while back and he talked about seasonal affect disorder and going into fall with, you know, less sunlight and colder temperatures. Can you talk just a little bit about how that actually does affect people? Oh, it, it absolutely does. You know, through through my uh, through my treatment, I had to use uh, this seasonal affective disorder lamp, and I would put it beside my bed every day for ten minutes, and it would stimulate stimulate my retinas, and yeah, to bring up your yeah. So anyway, seasonal affective disorder it does. You know, it's that lack of vitamin D, and it's the lack of being outside, and and it does put people in a depressive mood, and especially up in in Canada and the northern you know countries and states, and people just go inside and they hibernate and and it's horrific um so that's why i love ice fishing and i it, it gives people an opportunity to get outside and 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 transition into those colder months and and be outside in the months that normally we hibernate and what it does to our bodies and moods is, is horrendous and and you know a lot of people notice in the fall too right that's that that time when the i can't go out fishing after work now so i struggle with it i've had to make up for it by you know either getting up early until the clocks go back or picking up time at lunch it's just being aware of it, being aware that it's a difficult time and trying to come up with something to get you through. And, and so I have ice fishing to look forward to, but in the meantime, what do I do when I need a break? And that might be going up and puttering, you know, with my ice fishing gear and, and getting that ready. Or, you know, there are options in the fall. And, and if you're, you know, really wanting to do it, it's, it's there. There's, you know, I haven't, I haven't had to do the trolling for walleye or muskie and stuff. Yeah, but just being aware of it and looking at your options and how and making a plan to get through it. You know, and if you need to, vitamin vitamin D supplements are an option too. But it, it mostly it's just that awareness because it does it is it is a tough time for everybody. So, what do you say to the skeptics that say? Oh, fishing isn't really that big of a deal. You know, maybe that person is just saying it just so that they can get out and get away from their family, or maybe they're just making excuses. They're being selfish. Like, what do you say to people that would say that? Well, people like that, I say, well, how nice. It must be so nice in your life that you don't need fishing. Like, it's, um, that, that's all I can say to it, right? Like, I need fishing. I know. So I make it happen. And, and I don't care if you think it's an excuse or not. Anybody who knows me knows. But that's all I can say. You know, it must be very nice that you live a life where you don't need fishing as an outlet. But I do. So I'm going to do that. And poo-poo. and they just don't get it right and and, you know i i used to be like that because fishing i wasn't using fishing for i didn't need it 
yet right and and um i've talked to people where they say i just i don't get it or you know like my brother's so into it and i'm not and it's like well maybe you just maybe you haven't needed it yet um or maybe you know you have another passion but if you don't need it that's nice but but i do yeah and those other people do and i totally get it i get angry when i hear you know the guys at work like oh my wife won't let me go and i'm like oh my god <laughs> Like, you better go. Like, you need it. You need to go. You need to take care of yourself. This is about your mental health. And, you know, they, they do tend to win their arguments a bit more when they say that. You know, like, it's what language can you use your, with your wife to get you out there? Um, yeah, it's funny some of the conversations we have about it. But, yeah, I've offered to call some of them for them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen it where people will say, well, you're just making an excuse. Like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. And I'm looking at them thinking, yeah, okay, well. You know, I know for me what it means and I know how important it is yeah. in my life and what it's meant to me over the years and got me through some really tough times. And, you know, it's like, all right, whatever. But I, I think the thing that people yeah. need to keep in mind is when it, when people say, hey, I need to go fishing, I need to go hunting, I need to go backpacking. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, let, they them, do. let them do yeah. it. Yeah, they do. And it's, you know, I, I think there's more awareness now for what nature does for people, right? And I'm um, I'm hearing less and less people say like, oh, uh, you know, or maybe I, maybe I've just been better at surrounding myself with people who do get it. I just I can't listen to, you know, like why? What do you mean? I what do you mean fishing is so great? I don't I don't have many people in my life that that feel that way now because I think I've proven what it's done for me. Um, anybody in my life has been like it's been like night and day. Just even my Facebook pictures, my smiles, whatever they see the difference. So they can't they can't disregard what it's done for me. And I think if we just keep continue being living examples of what the outdoors and what nature has done for us and and living a good life because of it, it that's all you can do and. And those people that don't get it, it's, I guess they haven't needed it and that's good for them, but no one needs that negativity in your life. <laughs> yeah, you don't get it, so move it on. <laughs> so there's a, a joke out there and it says, get your kids hooked on fishing and they'll never have money for drugs, right? <laughs> and it's yeah, it's yeah. funny, <laughs> but there's yeah. a lot of truth in that, honestly. And it's, it's not yeah. that they yeah. wouldn't have money for drugs or they couldn't make the choice to go do drugs. It... You know, and I, I hearken to right now with social media and kids, the data that's coming out is, you know, social media, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, the kids are comparing yeah. themselves to, you know, all these different factors and the depression rate and the suicide rate is skyrocketing because the kids sit indoors, yeah. don't get their vitamin D and compare themselves on this online world. And I honestly get them off that phone and get a, get a rod in their hands and, and go out and go fishing. Right. And get them to unplug from oh. that digital world. And, you know, so that joke, yeah, I made light of it. And it's funny. Get your kids hooked on fishing. They'll never have money for drugs. But I think it should say get your kids hooked on fishing and they'll never have a need for drugs. Right. Because fishing is a drug. It's true. It is. It is a drug. It's when well, people say, you know, the tug is my drug and all, you know, those things. But it, it's I I don't I don't call it an addiction, but I call it a healthy coping mechanism. Um <laughs> It's just a different way of saying it, right? It's yes, you know, of course, with my PTSD, I, I was not coping with it in a healthy way, and it involved a lot of drinking and cannabis use, and and just anything to shut my mind off. Um, you know, I don't think I replaced that with fishing, but that was my unhealthy coping mechanism at the time, and this is mine now. And there's nothing else that matters. If I'm fishing, I don't need anything else, and and it, and it's good for me. And so, if you want to say I'm addicted to it, that's fine. But I'm okay with it because it's it's an addiction I can do with my family in a healthy way. I can do it with my partner. I can do it all the time. It doesn't get in the way of work, you know. Um, 
Yeah, so call it an addiction, but I, I call it a healthy coping mechanism myself. You're 100% spot on, Christine, is, you know, you, you've <laughs> talked a little bit about codependencies and dependencies and coping mechanisms and, you know, stimulants are not, whatever form you, you talk about them in, they're, they're not going to, and, and you can speak to this better, but long term down the road, and you speak about a police officer who comes home and has a few beers every night, you know, year after year, decade after decade, that's going to turn into a, more than a few beers. And being able to Absolutely. unwind outdoors, whatever that activity may be, more outdoor time didn't hurt anybody. Nope. No. And, and, you know, in this program, I've had, I've had to work with some people, obviously, who are in treatment or at the beginning of their uh, injury who might still be drinking or whatever. But, you know, even with fishing, we tried to work around that. And I've had to get up at like five in the morning to, to take someone out fishing for a few hours before they needed to start drinking. Um, but that was a few hours that they weren't drinking, right? And then the next time we might stay out a bit longer and a bit longer and a bit longer and, and slowly work with that and do some of that health teaching about about just cutting down and what are the resources out there. And, and, and we can work around it regardless. Fishing can, you can... You can do anything with it. You can, you know, it really is the most adaptable, versatile therapy out there. And, um, you know, that's, that's a big goal, um, talking about, obviously when I'm out with people, it's, you know, if they're still struggling with their addiction or substance use, um, we might, it might be a short trip, but, you know, we might have to cut it short, but that moment out there, I just, I, there's nothing. You're not thinking about anything. You're not thinking about using or drinking. Yeah. And it's, it's been successful so far. So what advice would you give to, you know, our listeners to David and I to get people to go out fishing? How do we recruit people? What's, what's some of your best strategies in recruiting more fishermen? I, I, my big thing is just reducing the barriers. Anybody will come up with an excuse, right? Like weather and, oh, I don't have, I don't have a rain jacket. I don't have, um, so I, you know, for myself, if it's really, it's great to get people out fishing. And I think a lot of us want company sometimes on the route. I just, you know, try to have some extra gear, just try to make it simple for people an extra, you know, a couple of snacks. So hunger doesn't get them off the water or drinks, whatever. Um, and just, Hey, I have an extra rod and just keep it simple. Right. Not stressful and start slow. And, you know, if you really have to start with the basics of bobber fishing for panfish and, and having a delicious fish fry with them after that, that can get people going, but as simple as possible and, and group events. And there's so many organizations and stuff out there that have, you know, introductory courses and, you know, up in Ontario, they have this great program called tackle share so all the provincial parks have free rods and stuff you can use so i just tell people hey do you want to do it in private if you're intimidated you just want to go on your own you can go to the provincial parks and, and borrow a rod and go down and try it so yeah it's just reducing those barriers and thinking just trying to get rid of the excuses that people come up with <laughs> so i have extra gear i have extra you know rain suits now i'm going to get in a couple extra floater suits um with some money we raised this year and, and not giving people excuses and, hey, I'll even come pick you up and I'll bring a coffee because it only just takes once, right? So I do put a bit of effort in to get them at once because after that, they're begging you all the time and it's annoying. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh my God, there's too many people. But it's, yeah, just to getting them out that once. And, you know, sometimes I dared people on Facebook. I call them right out like, hey, so-and-so's been saying they're going to go fishing with me and then I'll get their friends on to them to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think of whatever. It's awful. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you get, uh, you know, it started in fishing tournaments and do you actively go to the, some of those up there in Canada? Yeah, I do. I, I actually, I, I'm really active in the in the tournament scene up here. Just, uh, it was another way for me to get out and meet anglers. And the first club I joined up here was just, you know, it was like an average club, uh, really good anglers, low pressure, 
you know, low cost. And, and I, you know, I was all about the, you know, the visits in the parking lot after and meeting guys and the excitement of blast off. And I find tournament fishing to be the most there, you know, it's the least therapeutic. Of course, there's stress and there's money and, and there's, you know, there's high pressure involved and there's some bass guys are just bad. Like, you know, the tournament bass guys, <laughs> they're not like, Oh, I'm not out here to look at the pretty panfish. It's, uh, but I like them. <laughs> Anytime you get two fishermen in the water, you're going to have some level of competition. So, but tournaments, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us about the, one of the tournaments that's most memorable to you. So on all these tournaments I've been doing, and this year was the first time I did solo tournaments. So I wanted to make sure I could do that all myself, get the boat in, do the blast off, do the weigh in, make all my own decisions out on the water and I did that this year so next year I'm going to be joining a club um, Limestone Fishing up here near Kingston, Ontario and I'm going to be taking first responders every tournament just to expose them to that to that scene and that excitement and again it's a really like low pressure club so I just uh, another opportunity to see if people like that if that's something they want to get into but my most memorable I don't know I've had so many good um Memories. I think you know. Last year was a was a big one when I um. It was the first tournament I fished with another partner besides my my life partner. Um. You know he was busy, and I said, "Oh, another another buddy of ours wanted to do this tournament. I'm going to do it with him." But I was really nervous to be in somebody else's boat, like in a tournament, and we hadn't fished together. And you know, the morning we struggled, and and it was a big tournament, fifty boats on this big lake up here. But all the big names were in it, and and it was a big to do. But I thought, well, at least if we weigh in a bag, I'll be happy. But we ended up crushing it and I came, we came third and we won money and it was, and I did it. I, I felt, you know, I was on my own. I wasn't, I wasn't relying on my partner. I was worried that the other tournament anglers saw it. Like I was just, you know, like the girl in the back throwing a wacky worm off the back, which I totally am not anymore. Um, but I wanted to prove myself as an own individual angler. And, and that tournament was the first opportunity for me to do that. And, and that was cool. And I gained some respect there enough to then go into solo tournaments this year. And I even got money in one of them this year. And, um, and I came sixth and, and yeah, they paid out the top eight. I didn't even know until I got to the next tournament. They're like, hey, Christine, you got money. And it was like all the guys were there waiting for blast off. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was a proud moment because I got to go and collect my check in front of them all. And I'm the first girl to ever do this uh, club alone. And um, I'm not sure what they all think of me, but hey, I'm cashing checks in front of them all. And they've all been doing this for 40 some years. And I've been doing this for three. And I don't have the electronics. I don't have the forward facing sonar. I have none of that stuff. I just, it's all, it's all passion for me. I have, I'm looking out, I'm out there looking for the fall trees and the birds dropping on the surface that that's what i'm looking for to find fish and it's and it's been successful because that's what i want to teach first responders i don't i don't want anybody to think that they need all the hoopla to catch fish i do it just simply based on on passion and and what i see and what i've learned and uh yeah and to be cashing checks against some of these big guys is is a pretty big deal I think that's awesome. I, I have a friend here. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend here locally. He is one of the best anglers in the area and he doesn't use any of that fancy stuff, but he catches fish every time he goes out and he, he's retired and he takes yeah. people fishing all the time. Why? Because he wants to see people fish. He wants to see people smile. He wants people to have a great time. I would put him up against just about anybody in this area for fishing. And I mean, he doesn't yeah. have, you know, those really fancy sonars like you're talking about, fancy baits, fancy rods. Yeah. It's, it's about knowing what to look for. And I love fishing with it because he, he'll be like, Hey, you see that over there? Well, this is why the fish are there. Or, Hey, you know what time of year it is? Hey, this, this is where the fish are going to be at. And, you know, and, and so it's just really fun to learn from someone like that. And I, I think it's cool that you're teaching fishing in that style because not everybody has 10, 20, $30,000 to go out and buy these fancy setups and all this electronics and you don't need it. 
I mean, it, I've, I've had people ask you don't. me. For, no. Yeah, I've had people ask me for years, hey, should I buy this really fancy fishing rod? And I look at them, I'm like, well, you can. I said, it's not going to catch any more fish than my fishing rod, which is not super fancy, but you can. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's a sustainable thing, right? Like, it, it's, it's, you know, if you're, and that's why I'm, I don't like live baits a lot too, right? I just want to have my gear in my car. And if I want to hit the shoreline, I don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, I can't catch a, catch a fish if I don't have my fish finder. And you know, this rod, like it, that stuff drives me crazy. And, and there's, you can definitely catch fish without it all. And that's what you're going to continue to do and teach your children who aren't going to have those things starting out with, right? Like, how do you teach children to fish? You don't want to do it with electronics because that's, you know, that's what they're all relying on. It's not going to teach them much. And, and all those, nature gives us all the signs we need to catch fish, you know, it's, um, you just got to pay attention to them. Well, Christina, I think back to uh, my days in, in Alaska and two points. One, I moved down because uh, winters are brutal, not because they're any colder than here in Wyoming, but because you don't see any sun for <laughs> more than two hours a day. But ugly boats no. catch fish, right? <laughs> I, I have yeah. put on more than one <laughs> clinic in an ugly boat and guy pulls up in a brand new Willie's Predator of $50,000, you know, sled on the Kenai and we're, we're stacking Kings in our boat and they're not catching any in theirs. So technique and, you know, paying attention and you don't have to have the latest and greatest gear. And, you know, for those guys out there that have it good for you, but you know, gear shaming somebody that maybe is their first day of going out fishing and they're out with borrowed equipment, you know, help them out, lend them some knowledge or or invite them on your fancy boat and teach them something. Yeah, it's great. And uh, actually, um, the one club I'm a part of up here, and I really think it's so well run. They're starting a mentorship program. Um, which I think will be good for people who are new into the tournament series. And there's these guys who are at the top all the time, right? Um, but they're going to be setting it up where they can start sharing their knowledge and, and giving, you know, some of the newer anglers some insight into what they're doing. And, and that's your motivation, right? Um, I think it's it's great. So what would be your favorite species to pursue? Oh, crappy. <laughs> I wish it was better <laughs> at them, but crappy. I, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it, I, of course, I can catch them through the ice, like a lot of people can. And in the spring when they're spawning, like, you know, the easy times. But I struggle in the in the spring and, or sorry, in the summer and fall. But of course, when bass season's on, like that, that's pretty much all I'm doing. But if I catch, like, you should see me. If I'm in a tournament and I catch a crappy accidentally, I'm like, woo, and I'm taking pictures of it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't care that I'm out there trying to catch. <laughs> um, there's something about them, you know, like it, they're they're elusive and they're so cool looking and they're the best tasting, like by far. I I don't care what anybody says, and and they're they're a pest fish, so you don't feel bad if you take a feed once in a while. Yeah, and I just I just love them, and and their elusiveness is what gets me right. So they're challenging enough for me, and then when I catch them and you get on a school with them, like there is not a better time out there. And yeah, we've had some great times out on the ice, and my kids love them too because they're you know they're high action and they're. Yeah, they're just the best. I lived on this lake I'm on now for 13 months before I could even find one. Like, it was horrendous. But once we did, like, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, crappie can be maddening. I we, One of my friends, he came down a few weeks ago, and you'll see some of our pictures on Facebook. We went and we caught a whole bunch of trout, a few walleye and a few nice crappie. And, and he had never... Yeah laid hands on a on a crappie over like 10 or 11 inches and we caught a couple of 13 inches and he was just like holy smokes these are huge you know and it, crappie are cool but like you said they can be maddening at times um but i do want to ask oh. you you talked about uh you know really enjoying eating fish on you know the the shoreline or whatever so what's your favorite way yeah. to cook fish and and to partake in that because i think that's as important as the fishing aspect is having that meal together oh yeah we love um 
we try, you know, in the spring, we'll always get our feet of crappie. And then we have it opening day, opening bath day in June with the family. And that's like our crappie fish fry. And, and that's something we look so forward to every year. And, you know, for the most part, like we, uh, my guy has his, we, we battle it out over our recipes all the time. <laughs> but like we're frying it mostly. And he, he makes like a really nice, like a thicker batter, right? Where I just got onto the cornmeal phase. Somebody from, uh, Oklahoma actually reached out on Facebook and we were talking crappy recipes and he, and it's just like cornmeal, salt and pepper and a bit of, um, cayenne and, and just straight up and no egg wash or anything, just batter it and fry it. And it's so freaking good. Um, and it's simple. And yeah, so I do that, but we'll do that on the shoreline of, uh, there's a couple lakes we go to that we, you know, we bring some of the gear in our boat and just do the cast iron stuff on the shore. And we love, my guy loves that. And yeah, he's pretty good at doing that. Otherwise at home, like we're horrible, like a lot of deep fried fish. <laughs> um, I've even, you know, like, but sometimes I did a, I, I, another favorite recipe of mine I, I've done with uh, pistachio crusted crappie and that's just putting crushed pistachios in, you know, in the, in the breading and doing the egg wash and stuff. And, and my kids and I love it, but like I said, it's too fancy. He just likes his regular fried crappie. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a really good pie cake while, um, pike cake recipe too but so i'm gonna do a whole batch of pike cakes for them up at the hunting camp and because we will always go out and get a feed of walleye for the hunting camp and then a feed of crappie so they have a one for each week and i'm gonna set up a feed of pike cakes and yeah we love the fish and we have a few feeds like we don't we don't pound it all the time right we uh if i kept every fish i you know like hot, it would be horrendous. So there's yeah. a lot of catch and release too. And, but we definitely have our feeds. Like, yeah, I'll like, I hope to get a feed of crappie in the, this, you know, for Christmas time too. Right. I try to get one in the fall and that sounds awesome. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so what's on the horizon for you? What's next um, for mindful fishing and kind of what you're doing and how can our audience get in behind you to, to support you on what you're doing? I, I think just, you know, any support is just a, uh, any, any talk about, you know, what fishing does for you and, and talking about how it's therapeutic for you. And, and I love those stories and I love when people share success stories for them. Or even when, you know, people send me like, look, I went out with my kid. I was having a bad day, took my kid fishing. Look what they caught. Like people send me that stuff and I friggin' love it. And it gets my heart going. That's what keeps me motivated to know that this is where I need to go and this is what I need to keep doing. And we have some pretty big things in the works. Um, I don't know if you know the publication up here, Ontario Out of Doors. It's uh, the biggest outdoor magazine up in Ontario, but I'm going to be in it in December. So that's going to give us a lot of exposure to mindful fishing. I, I worked so in the fall, we're going to kind of get ready for what's coming next. But, um, you know, Veterans Affairs up here is going to be giving some money out of their wellness fund to the program so I can get more people out. We're looking at getting a bigger boat, something that might be suited for more walleye fishing out on Lake Ontario and uh, the big water. Um, you know, because a lot of people would want to just troll and, and do some of that simple fishing and just be out. And so, yeah, and then, and you know, we're just looking to get more volunteers and, and expand. And, you know, it, it's been super, super busy. But, uh, of course, with this downtime coming up in the fall, that's when I'm hoping to try and, and get that networking out and anglers and first responders is just connected and and hey let's just go fishing and and get people talking and and spreading it and and that's all i any any time somebody is taking somebody out fishing and in good nature no matter what the reason if they're sick or they're not or they just need an outing just whatever it is i love it um and i just want to see more of it if i can so how do people you know reach out to you or follow you on the socials so uh, yeah on, on face on facebook um 
I'm just the Christine LaPierre. If you add me as a friend, that if that's a way to connect. But on Instagram, I have my page, Mindful Fishing. You know, there's not a lot of followers. A lot of the people on there, it's people I've already taken out or, or whatever. But if you want to follow along with the stories on there, it's more, a lot of the outings are confidential, of course, and I don't talk about them. And, and that's a big part of it. You're safe when you come out with me and whatever we talk about is not going to be shared. Um, but I do do some stories on there that some people allow me to. And it's kind of a personal blog of what the journey's been so far. So yeah, if you're interested on 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 Instagram to see mindful fishing and, and feel free to ever message me and, and write out. And I, I want to talk about fishing all the time. So yeah, I'm always open to that. <laughs> well, you'll probably have me asking you about bass fishing. Cause that's not exactly my strength being from Wyoming, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I go bass fishing cause it's the easiest. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't have very many. So it's, it just is what it is, but oh, that's yeah. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, so we got to talk about our last sponsor here. So Bow Spider, David, you know, you guys have been busy kind of wrapping up the retail, you know, the hot retail season as far as bow hunting is going. But uh, just kind of tell us, you know, if if someone's still on the fence and they're thinking about getting a Bow Spider, you know, why should they do it? Well, first off, we, you know, we offer a lifetime warranty. You break it, we replace it. It's literally like having a third arm out there in the woods, whether you're tree stand hunting, whether you're spot and stock, if you're on the ground, you know blind wherever one of my favorite places and a lot of customers favorite places is right behind the headrest in the truck you know it's a place that a lot of bows receive a lot of damage just getting tossed in the back seat with backpacks and other bows and guys gear right bouncing down gravel roads you're usually not going bow hunting on the pavement too often if you're at least out west and so you know if you're out east or out west whitetail hunting or elk hunting if you need a place to to hold store, you know, use your bow while you're glassing. Definitely check out our videos or how to on, on bowspider.com. Yeah. So everybody check them out on bowspider.com. And you know, Christine, that's been awesome having you on the podcast. One of the things I love most about this is I get to meet new people and get to, get to tell people's stories and help share that with our audience. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you get things going and uh, have some more stories to tell, we'll have to have you back on and give updates and uh, do things like that. I know our audience really enjoys that. So again, yeah. everybody, if you can, and go go check her out on Instagram at Mindful Fishing. Uh, you can follow the stories there, and of course, you can add her on Facebook as well. And we'll have the information in the show notes. But I mean, that's about it for this episode. One of the things I want to remind everybody, you know, I've got this goal. We really want to have ten thousand downloads by the end of this year, this the end of this calendar year. And I know a lot of you listen, but you don't hit that download. So I'd en- encourage you. It really helps David and I out. Kind of tells us, you know, what episodes are more popular what kind of content you're wanting to listen to. So if you can download those episodes, that really helps us a ton. But the other big thing that is huge for us is going out and rating and subscribing to the podcast. So if you get a chance, no matter where you're listening, if you're on Spotify, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you're listening to it, make sure to do that to help us out. And if you have a uh, an idea for a show or a guest, or maybe you want to come on the podcast, go ahead and reach out to us. We're on all the socials. Um, if you haven't checked out Radcast Outdoors Nation yet, it's a private group. We share tips, tricks, advice, recipes. So, you know, that's on Facebook. Definitely uh, ask to join that and catch us on the next episode. All right. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time.